The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Oh, there we are. Well, good evening and welcome to the Buddha Loka Buddha Centre, the Buddhist Society of Victoria, for a meditation evening together. So it's very nice to have this opportunity to meditate together. And I think we all, most people find it a very supportive, and it's quite different from when we meditate at home. So it's really something that's uh, helped support the meditation, uh, and that's why we tend to do meditation retreats, isn't it? And they're very helpful. And we'll be having a meditation retreat here from the 6th of March to the 13th of March, so with Ajahn Brahmali, so it'll be very nice. So I'll just introduce myself as usual, <laughs> again, <laughs> because the people online, probably some of them don't know me, and my name is Ajahn Nisarano, and I'm an Australian Buddhist monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm in Perth, in Western Australia, 23 years ago as a novice monk, now 22 years as a full monk, and for the last 13 and a half years, I have been living in Sri Lanka and visiting Australia uh, regularly. So, and I am uh, also an old member of the BSV, though my membership has lapsed. <laughs> I haven't received any notices <laughs> because I was a member in the 1990s. It was a while ago, actually. So, so this evening I thought we could uh, do an interesting, uh, different sort of meditation this evening, and one that was suggested to me by today by the person who came for the offer to offer the lunch at Dana, we call it lunch Dana. And uh, she, she said she found it very helpful when she was meditating to have noise around her. Do you find that? Noise around? And uh, she said that sometimes in quieter environments she found that it was difficult for the mind to find peace. There, she thought there wasn't enough contrast between the outside and the inside. In other words, the outside was noisy and the inside wasn't so noisy. <laughs> I don't think very, very noisy. So that was, a, and she was asking about that. And uh, I, uh, I mentioned that we can use sound or we can use listening as a meditation. And uh, it's quite a, a good meditation, actually, to have the, the object being the sound, but the activity is really the listening, just that uh, awareness at the ears. And uh, it can be quite a, quite a good meditation. Instead of using, say, the breath or the feet, the touch, and the breath, of course, is the touch sensation of the breath, instead of using that, to use the sound. And uh, so that can be an interesting meditation. So I thought... Why not? Why not? Because I have done it in the past. And it's it's quite an interesting meditation because it challenges a lot of what we think about a noise or sound, doesn't it? Because we often think that it's a problem, it's a disturbance to my meditation. And, uh, and certainly if we do think that, it will be uh, a disturbance of uh, our meditation. And... Uh, of course, we're not going to be able to control the environment we live in. There will always be sound, there will always be noise. And uh, sometimes people think, well, you know, if you go into the forest, if you go away from the city, 
then you know it'll be really quiet. But that's not true actually, because I've lived in forests in uh, Sri Lanka, and they can be quite noisy actually. There's a lot of insects making noise, and sometimes the animals. And if you live next to a stream, for instance, it's really it's quite noisy actually. But after a time, you tune out to it. You don't hear it. And one of the nice things about having a stream next to your hut is that you can't hear the noise from buses and, and all these sorts of things. So it's a natural, a natural noise. So this is part of our, our lives, really. And it reminded me of the famous story you probably all know of Ajahn Brahm in, when he was in Thailand living in a monastery called Wat Pananachat. And... Uh, the villagers uh, took to, I think it was the time of karaoke and all that sort of thing, you know, when <laughs> people really seemed to have a vogue at some, uh, in the, I don't know when it was, that would have been in the uh, 70s actually for Ajahn Brahm. I don't know if it was around then. But anyway, the villagers liked uh, to have all these all-night parties and um, all-night uh, music going on that went on to about three in the morning or so and the monks there used to get up at 3.30 they had their meeting at 3.30 in the morning so they found it very disturbing because they couldn't couldn't necessarily sleep and uh, couldn't meditate um, or so they said and so they asked the villagers to to um, turn the music off earlier or turn the volume down and uh, did that happen? No. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> You'd think they would listen to, to the monks, actually. But then they asked Ajahn Chah, they thought, I'll oh, go to the top, you know, ask, ask the chief. And so they asked him to ask the villagers. And, of course, being Ajahn Chah, he didn't say what uh, they expected, which is, of course, I'll, I'll speak to them and uh, I'll take care of it. He said, no. He said, ah, it's, it's not the noise disturbing you, you were disturbing the noise. <laughs> Isn't it? Just what they didn't want to hear, actually. <laughs> because they, they thought, yes, it was really disturbing for them. And of course, you know, if we, uh, if we don't have wisdom, we will be battling with the situations we find in life. You know, some situations are very difficult to be at peace with. But if we, are, if we don't think it's disturbance, to our meditation, if we allow it to be, let it be, uh, then we can be at peace with it. And this is a very important principle in life, actually, that uh, when we make peace with the way our lives are at this particular time, it doesn't mean it has to be like that all the time. It doesn't mean that we can't change things. But particularly when we're experiencing, you know, um, uh, seeing something as a problem, uh, then to... Uh, to bring peace to it by not making it a problem if we can. So this is, uh, um, and uh, one of the things I remember in when I was in Townsville, somebody was saying that they had they had two young children. One was a baby, and one was about two. And they said, "How can we find peace in this uh, fairly chaotic situation?" And I said, "The only way you can find peace with this situation." is to give yourself really to that situation, not wanting, making peace with just the children being the way they are and uh, um, not trying to find this ideal peace because really that will always cause this tension for them. And uh, 
one of this meditation actually was uh, I learnt from uh, Ajahn Jagro. Some of the, do some of you know Ajahn Jagro? He he was very instrumental in helping set this centre up actually in uh, the 1990s, 1993, somewhere around there. And uh, he used to uh, teach this uh, at meditation retreats, and that's where I've, I learnt it as a lay person. But it also gave rise to reminded me of a very interesting story Ajahn Brahm tells actually too that he and uh, Ajahn Jagra were interested when they first uh, introduced these sensory deprivation tanks you've heard of them separate sensory deprivation tanks these are tanks that are full filled with not filled filled completely about half full with uh, um, salty water I think and it's warm so it's body temperature and then when you close the the lid, it's completely soundproof. So for Ajahn Brahm, he thought, oh, ideal, you know, and Ajahn Jagra probably thought, great, really good. And so, um, so they introduced this to Perth in Western Australia, and uh, they invited Ajahn Jagra and Ajahn Brahm to go and test it out. And Ajahn Jagra, uh, he went, uh, went to try it out, and he had, he had a session, and then he came back to the monastery, and Ajahn Brahm was waiting with, we say, bated breath. <laughs> How was it? How was it? And he said, when he got into the tank, and he said, it was so noisy. <laughs> he said, he never realized how noisy our bodies are. You know, the, you've got the breathing, that's one thing. But then when you're lying in this water, this warm water, you can hear the beating of the heart. And it was it, it it sounded a bit like a factory actually I think it was sort of pretty noisy you thought God incredible but uh, Ajahn Brahm was still interested to try out the tank but before he had the opportunity when it was his turn an advertisement appeared in the paper about these sensory de- deprivation tanks advertising them for for people in Perth to come and try them and it said. <laughs> as tried by, or as used, by Buddhist monks. <laughs> and so they decided, no, we better not. Uh, Ajahn uh, Brahm didn't get the opportunity because they thought that was endorsing a product. You know, so they, they didn't, they didn't, he didn't go. And maybe he would have found, like Ajahn Jagro found, that it was very noisy, interesting. So it's a... So it's an inescapable part of our lives, you know, really, this noise um, we can experience. And some people, I know one man told me here that he has uh, tinnitus, you know, this tinnitus, the ringing in the ears. And this can be really tough, I think, for people. He said he couldn't sleep and all this sort of thing. So sound is part of our lives, actually. So if we can make peace with it, uh, then our lives will be much more peaceful. Because, as Ajahn Chah mentions quite often, there is the peace of, you know, samadhi, the mind becoming very peaceful in meditation, and there's the peace of wisdom, and that peace of wisdom is very important if we can make peace with our lives, you know, as they are. As I say, it doesn't mean we can't change things, but to to be able to be at peace with them when they're like what they are like at this moment is very uh, very valuable, very important. So I'm just going to mention too that in meditation the, the object is not that important. One of my teachers, 
Asaidu Utejani, he'd always make that point. The object is not that important. It's there to provide uh, a focus uh, for mindfulness, for mindfulness to you to develop. So this is um, something. So we can use many things for uh, meditation objects. And you know, sometimes when you read the stories at the time of the Buddha, you realize how incredibly skillful he was with teaching different meditation subjects. And there was one monk who used for his meditation object rubbing a cloth. This is uh, Chula Pantika, Venerable Chula Pantika, and he was rubbing a cloth. And from that he developed this samadhi, and he also realized how dirty the cloth got after some time. And he had this breakthrough to insight, you know, that everything that's of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease. He saw this dirty cloth, and he became an arahant. And uh, so that's pretty amazing. So maybe you can try a cloth. (laughs) So the Buddha was very skillful in seeing what was useful for... Um, different meditators. So the breath obviously is a very easy, um, is, is not easy actually, it's very subtle, but it's a, it's a very universal phenomena that we have, that we experience. We're breathing until we die. So something that is prominent that our attention can go to is just the main purpose of it. And of course sound, you know, is part of our experience, even here and now, we're hearing cars, you're hearing my voice, um, probably other sounds as well. And it's part of the present moment. And this is how we, it's um, when we do present moment awareness, that's one of the things that we can be aware of. And we, we're using it as that sort of anchor in the present moment so that we let go of the other senses and let go of all the other thinking you know, about the past and the future. And then we're using that for the anchor for our mind. But of course, you know, with all the uh, objects for uh, mindfulness, when they have done their job, we can let go of them. So the breath, if the mind becomes very, very peaceful, often people find the breath disappears and some people think it stopped and they they panic actually i've heard of i heard of one monk who told me he, he felt that too he could not he wasn't aware of the breath so he thought it had stopped um at those times you know people say well what what can one be aware of apart from if you're panicking of course that's <laughs> that's the, what you're aware of at that moment but of course that you can be aware that there is no awareness of breath that, that can even be an object as well. But as the mind becomes more peaceful, we can let go if we feel it's the right time to let go of the meditation object and turn to that peace, go into that peace more and more. And I liken this to when we're learning to ride a bicycle. So, you know, the kids and they have the trainer wheels on the back and... Uh, this is what the meditation object is like. It's like the trainer uh, wheels. It'll take us in into the meditation. And so with the sound meditation, once we've it's done its job, then we can let go of it and pay attention to the peace. And I like, I always mention what Ayakema would say, which is a method is just a method uh, by any, any name. And the right method is the one that works for you. So 
This is this is the point. It, it's got to be something that works for us. So, how do we do this? It's pretty simple, really. <laughs> it's what we do most weeks, actually. But we let go of the past and the future, and just be present with what is. So we 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 come into the present moment and just experience whatever is prominent to for us to our awareness, um, whatever that may be, and then. Uh, when the we've been present for some time, then we can turn to the sound and allow it to become the the focus. It's really to the listening. The awareness is at the ears, hearing these various sounds. And the most important thing with this meditation is, and this is the tricky thing with sound, is that we don't buy into, uh, get involved with identifying sounds. You know, this is what we do quite often. You know, oh, it's a car, it's a motorbike, or, you know, I can hear the tram or something like that. And not um, describing it, not getting into a description. This is a wonderful thing about the breath. Very unlikely to get into any of these sorts of activities. Um, we could describe the sounds too. This is pleasant or unpleasant, maybe disturbing. Or we can make up stories about them too. Oh, that must be the 745 tram that I heard. <laughs> Whatever it is. So the point is just to listen to the sound as sound, not make it um, any, any more than it is. Uh, this is very easy with these sorts of sounds that we have here. It's much more difficult with uh, talking. If someone's talking, just to hear it as sound <laughs> can be very difficult. Sometimes it'd be very useful, <laughs> very useful. So, and um, we just let the sound, as it were, go through us. You know, just we hear it and just let it come to the listening. No resistance to that sound and just allow it to be sound. And as I say, when the mind quietens down, it starts to become still, it becomes steady and peaceful. And then... When we feel it's the right time, we can let go of the sound. And then afterwards, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of reflection too, we can reflect on what we've experienced with the sound, with this meditation. With every meditation, it's very, uh, very good to spend a period of time reflecting on what we've experienced. So I wonder if there's any uh, comments or questions. No, it's a fairly straightforward sort of meditation in a way, but it's very interesting, and I think um, people will find surprising how it can be a very good object for the mind, and therefore change our attitude to, you know, sound in general, you know, or noise, um, because we're actually using the sound for the meditation, and if we really develop it. <laughs> Maybe we can just listen to other people talk when we um, might otherwise react and just hear what they're saying as sound and not react. That, that could be quite uh, quite useful at times. I know in uh, Sri Lanka, because I do speak some uh, Sinhala, some of the language, um, but I don't speak enough that I can pick up everything. So... You know, people can say things, and I, it won't won't bother me. 
And that's true for any foreign language. If you don't understand the language, what the person is saying is just sound. That's it. <laughs> Even, you know, but usually you can pick up from the body, body language if it's, it's a good thing or not. So, so this can be a very useful thing. And the Buddha mentions it in the suttas. I was going to look it up, actually, where we can just hear sound as sound and not react. Um, and this is, can be quite useful. So for the meditation... We can have uh, 45 minutes uh, for the meditation and uh, just, is everybody comfortable with the uh, paint smell? Is it not too strong for you? Okay, the windows are open, so it's quite good. So now if we can find a comfortable position for, from, uh, yes, maybe if you'd like to stand up for a minute, we can have just that, that's a good idea. I know of one monk who teaches yoga with meditation, actually. He does, uh, he uses it in his retreats. You might know of him, Yogachara, Venerable Yogachara Rahula, American monk. He's, he wrote a really amazing biography, One Night Shelter. <laughs> so now if we can find a comfortable position for the body and just paying attention to how the feet are, if they're on the floor, if you're sitting on a chair or sitting on a cushion and adjusting the hips to make yourself feel comfortable. And if the back is somewhat straight but not, um, not rigid, not tense, we can feel what's, what's balanced. And then the shoulders, how they are, if they're balanced over the body, and the arms, if they're uh, hanging comfortably or resting comfortably, either with the hands on the lap or on the knees, whatever one finds comfortable and balanced. And then paying attention to the neck, how the neck is, and the head, just to see that it's balanced over the head, over the shoulders and the rest of the body. Some people find tucking the chin in quite useful. Just feeling what is the most comfortable position for the meditation.
And we can start the meditation by relaxing the body mentally, starting at the top of the head. We can close our eyes and get in contact with the body just sitting here. And now we can relax the body mentally, starting at the top of the head, being aware of the top of the head, the sides of the head and the back of the head, and relaxing them, soothing them, giving this uh, mental massage to the top of the head, sides and back. Moving our attention down the forehead and giving that a good relax, soothing, this warm, kind attention. And then moving down to the eyes, all around the eyes, soothing, relaxing. dissolving any tension and then moving down to the cheeks the face relaxing relaxing them and then moving to the mouth all around the mouth and the chin Relaxing the whole of the face and the top of the head, back of the head and sides of the head. And bringing to mind the neck and moving our attention all around the neck. Just giving it this warm, relaxing, soothing attention. And then bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the right shoulder, soothing any tensions, any hardness, any painful areas with this warm, relaxing attention. And now becoming aware of the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and moving our attention down the right arm, all around it, relaxing, soothing, with this warm, relaxing attention. 
down to the elbow. And down the lower right arm to the wrist, the hands and the fingers. Relaxing the whole of the right arm and the right shoulder. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder, soothing it with this warm mental massage. Any areas that are tight, painful, tense. And then becoming aware of the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm slowly all around to the elbow, wrist, hand and fingers. And relaxing the whole of the left arm and the left shoulder. Now bringing to mind the back just below the shoulders and moving our attention slowly down the back, soothing, mentally massaging, relaxing, giving warmth to any 
painful areas, any areas that are tense or strained. Relaxing the whole of the back, soothing it, making it comfortable as it can be. Now bringing our attention to the front of the body, just below the shoulders, and moving the attention down front of the body with this warm relaxing attention down the chest and then to the app to the uh, diaphragm area just near the lungs, relaxing, soothing, then down to the stomach area, and the abdomen below the stomach. Soothing the whole or the front of the body, relaxing it with this warm, kind attention. Now bringing to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving the attention down the right leg, all around the right leg, starting at the top and moving down to the knee, ankle, to the foot and toes, slowly giving it a mental massage, giving it time, giving it kindness.
soothing the whole of the right leg right down to the foot and toes. And we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg. And again, we can slowly move our attention down the left leg all around and include the knee down the lower leg to the ankle, to the foot and the toes with this uh, mental massage, relaxing and soothing as we go. Aware of the whole right leg, foot and toes relaxed and soothed. And now we can put it all back together again and just be with the whole body sitting here in the present moment. And leave the past and the future outside. As Ajahn Brahm said, has said evidently, the past is history and the future is a mystery. And so there's nothing we need to do now just to be here in the present moment. Just happy to be here in the present moment. Nothing we need to do for now. Just aware of whatever comes to our attention, whether it be the body, the pressure of sitting on the chair or on the cushion, contact with the feet, contacting with the floor, the temperature, sound of my voice, whatever it is, maybe even the breath coming and going one thing after another, just here in the present moment.
And if the attention wanders off to the past or the future, we just come back gently to the present, just aware of what's prominent, the lips touching, saliva in the mouth, the smell or the paint, whatever it is. can turn our attention just to listening to the sounds that we're aware of. No need to choose sounds. They're just listening. And there's no need for us to work out what the sound is or describe it. You're just aware of it, not getting involved not creating any stories, not trying to get rid of it. Just happy to be here listening to whatever we're aware of.
And if our minds wander off, drift off, then we can notice it without uh, rejecting it, just to come back to listening, to be content, to come back to listening, happy to be here, but just listening to all the sounds.
So now we can just reflect on what we've experienced in the meditation. How how do I do we feel now? Do I feel any difference from before I started the meditation to now? And did I find that sound was a problem? Does it uh, disturb my mind or my meditation? And was I able to listen without getting involved, without identifying, describing or making stories? Just reflecting, what is it within our minds that gets involved with things, gets involved with the sound? And were there any sounds that were hard to be at peace with, just to listen to?
And do I feel more equanimous or balanced when I listen to sound? Can I accept it just as sound? And did I notice sounds coming and going, arising, staying for a little while, and then passing away, changing? And lastly, who is doing the listening? You can share the energy of this meditation, whatever peace, whatever wisdom, understanding, with everyone here. Wishing that they can come to peace, to acceptance, with the difficult things in their lives. and expanding this sharing to beyond this hall, to the surrounding area, to the whole of Melbourne. To the whole of Australia. And to the whole world. beings develop that awareness that brings peace and wisdom to their lives. And we can finish with just the aspiration to remember just to listen more, to use that quality, that mindfulness more often 
as an anchor for our mindfulness in daily life, wherever we find ourselves. And now we can slowly open the eyes and move our bodies just to make ourselves more comfortable. So, are there any uh, comments or uh, questions or complaints? Oh, oh yes. Yes. I was just thinking about Ajahn Sumedho's guidance when he talks about the sound of silence. Yes. Often find that quite useful. Yes. Um, not sure it is tinnitus, but it's sort of like a a gentle humming around the ears. Yes. Yes, yes that can be. Um, people can find that uh, the sound of silence being uh, something that they can use for a focus for their awareness, and uh, uh, that that's good for mindfulness. I was going to mention the sound of silence actually. <laughs> But I know Ajahn Brahm, he's, he says silence has no sound. <laughs> That's quite interesting. He says that, I said, all right. <laughs> but we do, you know, have this, uh, often people have this sort of humming in the ears. And it's quite interesting because I mentioned that man who has uh, tinnitus, you know, and that, that is a humming, but it's unpleasant for, for him because it's, uh, you know, very overwhelming. He can't turn it off. It's there all the time. Um, and it's very loud for him, so it's interesting. But yes, the sound of silence that uh, Ajahn Sumedho... Do other people, have other people tried that, the sound of silence? Yes. Do you find it useful? Yes, yes. Well, I have, since reading Ajahn Sumedho's talking about Mm. it, I've noticed that quite often when I've become mindful, Mm. just that's like a Mm. distant ringing in the ears that's just there. Yeah. If I'm quite still and present... Yeah, no, that's and I good. often use that as a, a meditation object. Yeah. And is that is that in outside of meditation too, or just um, in daily life as well? In or? daily life as well. Sometimes I, yeah. if I'm just sort of quite mindful, I become aware of it. Yeah, that's good. I think these are all anchors, aren't they, for for our awareness? So that's quite good. I think it's good. So I think sound of silence, if people find useful, I think good. As I said. You know, the object's not that important, just the fact that we can use it as our reference point, you know, to steady the mind. And it's very useful during the day to have those things that are reference points that we can, um, you know, steady our attention with, come back to the present moment with, uh, instead of being caught up with thinking or actions that we're doing. And there's always time during the day that we can, uh, um, you know, just reflect use something like like the sound of silence or just listening to sound or you know, just being aware of the body is a very good one. You know, Some people use that as the object. Uh, sometimes the breath, you can use the breath um, as the object during the day. Or, you know, I, have, I often 
use just the touch of the fingers, you can move that and uh, you can have that awareness of the fingers moving. So it can be many, many things that we can use. And it really does depend on what works for us, you know. For some people, uh, sound might not be, <laughs> be their thing. And certainly one thing that's very, very noticeable with the breath, it's very soothing and uh, very calming uh, to the mind. And I noticed too with the sound here, because I, it reminded me of when I first learnt this uh, technique was on retreat. So the very natural sounds, you know, of uh, frogs and, you know, we did have we do have uh, some insects. You hear the insects during the meditation. It's quite interesting. You're aware of a lot of sound when you do this meditation. But I noticed the difference, you know, uh, in when I listen to natural sounds as composed compared with, you know, cars and, and other sounds like that. There is a difference because the mind has a, an association with the natural sounds, which is quite calming. So were people able to be at peace with the sounds? Sound? Not to... If you weren't, you would be out of here, I think. <laughs> you think, this is too much. <laughs> so... So, but if if we aren't at peace with it, it's good to you know to see what's making the problem. And of course, we see yes, yes, Dilke. Um, at the beginning, you mentioned to accept things for the way it is. Mm. And mm. today, I had a day where. I felt almost the whole day I was waiting for somebody to give me some information, mm -hmm. which didn't come. Right. So, <laughs> actually, when I sat down, that was still playing in my mind. And when you said to let it be and just be at peace with the way it is, yeah, yeah, that really helped me centered and calm my mind very quickly. Like, oh. Even though I've heard you say those same words before. Yeah. Just today. <laughs> yeah. You needed it. And it I struck think a chord. <laughs> yeah, it struck a chord. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Because this meditation is very, very akin to what I, what I call letting be meditation. Ajahn Brahm calls letting be meditation too. And it's that ability just to let things be, not get involved with them, not try to alter them, make them the way we want, that sort of thing. And that can be very useful. At other times we need to, to be more active, but... Uh, when we don't need to, this can be very, very useful for developing that stillness in the mind, that peace in the mind, and also strength of mind. And uh, we can sometimes see, you know, when, when we listen to sounds or, or when we do any uh, meditation, have any meditation object, that we can see the difficult, the things that make it difficult is liking and disliking. <laughs> that makes our lives very difficult, actually, liking and disliking. And uh, it disturbs, it definitely disturbs the peace. It definitely disturbs the peace. And uh, did people have any sounds that were particularly hard to, to just listen to? No? They're all familiar, aren't they? The sounds of cars and... And this and that, and the, cic the cicada is very nice. The, the insects nice. But one of the most difficult ones, I think, for most people, we're very lucky tonight. We didn't have it. Somebody speaking. It's incredible. You know, even if you can't hear it very well, your ear goes to it. You, you start to, what are they? What are they talking about? You know, maybe it's thinking, 
are they talking about me? I don't think so. <laughs> but it's very interesting that uh, those sorts of you know human sounds we we go to very very easily, and uh, especially speech. Speech is one of the most uh, the most difficult ones to not you know get interested in and wonder what it's go. What are they What are they talking about? And uh, so that's. That it shows, you know, it, it, it's probably a, a mechanism we use to protect ourselves too, just to be on, on the lookout for any dangers, any problems. But it also highlights what, what uh, is very nice when you're in a natural environment, just the sounds, natural sounds, even though they may be noisy. You know, uh, the cicadas here, these uh, insects making this noise, they're not, not, it's not really piercing, but I know in Thailand, and not so much in Sri Lanka, but it, in Thailand they can be so, like a siren. It's incredible. It's very, it's very strong, you know, especially towards dusk, and they're really loud, incredible. So, but there is a big difference between natural sounds and uh, human sounds made by, by people, so it can be uh, another thing. And it would be very interesting to see if you, uh, if we can develop more of this ability just to listen, you know, and make let it be sound, let sound be sound, and not get involved with um, uh, any stories about it, not get get involved with the content. That's always the important thing. Whether we'd be able to deal with um, talking to people. <laughs> easier at sometimes, though they notice if you tune out. <laughs> you can just see the lips moving and, and, and uh, they think, why, why not, not reacting at all? <laughs> so it could be, can be quite an interesting thing. And as I mentioned before, if you don't know uh, the language that people are using, no matter what they say, it, it doesn't have that impact on the mind. So these are just some interesting things that we can... Learn from uh, listening too. We can, you know, we can see the. Uh, are there questions? Are there? Oh, all right. One question. All right. One question. Sorry, Ajahn. Just no, to finish, fine. there's yeah, one good. question from online, which mm. probably relates to what you're saying at the moment. Um, thoughts and anxiety won't mm. let me be in the present. Please advise. I guess that's a sort of noise in the head, actually. Mm. Thoughts and anxiety won't let me be in the present. Yes, I think. Uh, that is, um, you know, usually the thoughts, um, particularly if they're creating anxiety, are usually in the future. And uh, one of the, the nice things to develop is just that s sense of a safety in being in the present moment, letting go. It's, we, have to, we have to be able to have um, uh, that feeling of kindness, of safety in ourselves in order to let go of the thinking and the anxiety. Because the anxiety is telling us we're not safe. <laughs> we're not safe. And there's plenty to worry about. And uh, and even though we know we're in a safe environment, presumably this person's in a safe environment at home or wherever, um, the, this feelings of fear of insecurity are coming up. So the thing we need to do then is address that. And I call that the emotional first aid. So to have this sort of... Um, feeling of loving kindness for ourselves, soothing ourselves. You know, I was mentioning the theme really, though I didn't develop it very much, was uh, happy to be here, content, you know, 
and that can work. But if we're feeling anxious, it's like we need a little bit more than that. We need more like loving-kindness. Because one of the things that the Buddha mentions in the Karaniya Metta Sutta, and we call it the Metta Sutta, loving-kindness Sutta, is that feeling of safety, safe and glad. You know, and may you be uh, happy. So, or may you be in ease, we use here. So this is important when we start a meditation is to address the negative qualities in the mind. And we often, classically, we call them the five hindrances. But they are often dealt with very well with if we have this sort of loving kindness in the mind, uh, this caring in the mind for ourselves and then for others. You know, just to uh, some have some self-talk is fine. You know, just like a, a parent would speak to a child, you're right, you're right, it's safe here, fine, I'm here for you. These things we can say to ourselves. So we must create that feeling of, of uh, being safe, being at home, before we can let go of anxious thoughts, particularly fear and insecurity, and just be in the present moment. Realise this is a very safe place to be. The past and the future are not. <laughs> They're not safe places because we can often get caught up in the stories about what happened in the past and what what may happen in the future it can be terrifying or exciting. It's very interesting. It doesn't have to be anxious. It can be very exciting. Um, we can be looking forward to it. So that would be my suggestion. First of all, address the emotional uh, aspect of um, fear and anxiety with this sort of loving kindness, this being apparent to ourselves, you know. And we can do that, we can do that. And then once that is addressed, then we're ready to be present and we're ready to let go of the past and the future. We know it's safe because <laughs> we're here for ourselves, you know. We're here like a parent would, uh, looking after ourselves. So that's what I would suggest to that person. I think it's a very, very good question because these things, these emotions, depression, anxiety, they really tug the mind and uh, make pull us out of the present, you know. And really, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh said a saying like, "We're only alive when we're present, when we're mindful. Only alive when we're in the present." That's what he said. So that's a that's an interesting comment. So this past and the future. They're really just projections of our minds uh, that we are experiencing. But they create very strong emotions, can create very strong emotions. So emotional first aid first, <laughs> and then we can be present. So I think we can finish off the, here, and uh, hope that was uh, helpful for you. And um, those who would like to, we can pay uh, respects to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. <laughs>